We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of... Hello and welcome to TV Times 3, episode 261. On this episode, we've got some cancellation and renewal news, and then we'll be talking about the series premiere of Allegiance, the fifth mid-season premiere of The Walking Dead, and recent episodes of The 100, Scandal, and The Blacklist, plus a brief reality check and some TV recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 261. I'm Amri from mytakeontv.com. I'm Jason the TV Holic from tvholic.com, and this week we have joining us... Troy Heinrichs from GoldenSpiralMedia.com and the Blacklist Exposed podcast. Welcome, Troy. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's great. I've been listening for many, many years, and it's just so awesome to be hearing your voices. Actually, kind of weird for me since I listen to 2X. <laughs> so I feel like I have to slow down to talk. Uh, well, yeah. welcome. We yeah, so that, that you'll be in regular speed when you, exactly. <laughs> when you listen back. I use Voxer like to talk to Ray a lot. And I'll, I, I'll, I'll start listening to something I said. I'm like, oh my god, do I talk that fast? No, I have it on two X, and I'm like, <laughs> oh no, I just sped myself up. I don't, I, I don't need to suddenly slow down my speech and uh, you know scare people. But we did talk to Troy a little bit before we started recording to not throw him off. Uh, we always like to talk to our first time uh, attendees about what kind of shows got you, or what shows got you into TV. I guess like for me, it was like TGIF. Um, what was stuff that you were interested in that really got you liking TV? And then how did you start podcasting or wanting to kind of write about it or talk about it? Well, I mean, I watched Sliders and X-Files back in the day, so I really enjoyed the sci-fi genre, especially growing up in the Star Wars era as a child. And from there, it really took to another level when I went to actually go to school and become a broadcasting major. So I was in radio for a long time, but I had this knack for some reason. We had this contest that you could basically take the uh, May upfront schedule and predict what the fall was going to be. And mm. then we got to relay that out, how we would have programmed all four networks at the time because CW and UPN didn't exist. And then we took that schedule and I always won every year. So I, I must be a network executive buried in my body somehow. <laughs> from there, just got into Lost. And then when Lost happened, that's when podcasting came out of Ray and kind of oh. went from there to uh, move forward and I guess start talking about TV. It's what I've always wanted to do. Just wish we could get paid for it sometimes. <laughs> oh, don't I know it. If TV could pay the bills, right? But it's yeah. still fun. It's yeah. great. It's a great audience interaction piece. It is for sure. Um, yeah, if somehow just... it can work out the getting uh, paid for each like by the hour. <laughs> <laughs> I would talk about TV forever. I would have like a twenty-four hour day of talking about TV because I could talk that long. And if there was incentive to be paid by the hour, I would absolutely do it. <laughs> yeah, the, the new the new twenty-four hours a day. Seven days a week, uh, TV Times 3 podcast. It's yeah, just, I just never stop recording. <laughs> and just broadcast it live of just... Uh... Yeah, I could live podcast. <laughs> oh, now I'm watching this. But it would just be my reactions about a bunch of idiot people on TV. And all you would hear would be like, oh, come on. And I wouldn't have any follow-up about what I was watching. <laughs> watching TV with me is not as exciting as me actually talking about what I watch later. Uh all right. So that's welcome. All that to say <laughs> yeah. welcome. Thanks. Yeah, and thanks, Troy, for joining us. Uh, we'll jump right into the news. A&E looks to be reviving the already twice-canceled Unforgettable. It cracks me up that 
A&E canceled the Glades on a cliffhanger. Longmire, their highest rated show, and now is going back to a twice canceled drama. Like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I don't dislike Unforgettable at all, but it makes you wonder, like, what does Poppy Montgomery have on people? Yeah. And, like, <laughs> the show keeps getting canceled and renewed. Yeah. Well, this one on the face of it is annoying because of what you just said. The whole, I, the whole reason they've been canceling those shows is not that they're getting out of original programming. But A&E has been said to be getting into having their own production companies producing their original scripted programming so that they own it on both sides. So, mm. and uh, which, you know, a lot of networks are doing. But then, so then when you see that they're picking up, you know, a Sony television produced television show uh, that's been canceled twice already, you go. Sony just doesn't let things die. You, you go, what? But then that's the thing is that apparently they're getting such a good deal on it. You know, I, I guess Unforgettable is like the, you know, sort of the, uh, uh, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, I guess maybe Transformers, although that did box office well here too, pretty much. But it's one of those shows that actually does well overseas. It Apparently it does well other places, but to can you, they needed to also have a U.S. network you know, to fully make it uh, a good enough deal. But because of mm -hmm. that, uh, and continuing to produce episodes, A&E, I guess, was able to get such a deal to to produce it that, uh, you know, that they're picking it up. And so sometimes it's the it's the actual numbers of things that, uh, uh, you know, if you're getting, you know, sort of like NBC and Hannibal, if you're getting such a good deal on it that almost no matter what the ratings are, you're going to make money off of it. Yeah. Then you kind of... I guess you kind of have to do it, but it just seems weird <laughs> because of, like you said, at least, uh, you know, uh, Longmire got picked up by Netflix. So at least, you know, while it won't be coming to A&E, at least we'll still be getting more of that show. I go back to your original concept programming, because isn't this the same network that's doing a rehash of The Returned mm -hmm. and did the Bates Motel, which isn't really original since it had a, a intellectual property previously, and now they're just picking up other people's garbage. Yes. But yeah. Twice canceled garbage. But the other <laughs> ones are more uh, like their productions. You know, even though it's a remake of uh, The Return is a remake, it's I guess it's their production company that's that's actually doing it. So mm. I don't know. That's the apparently that's the direction they're heading. But yeah, it on the face of it, it doesn't look <laughs> it's, it definitely you go, wait, canceled this show for for those. Although if they can get. You know, any portion of the audience that used to watch it on CBS, uh, it would be one of the higher rated uh, shows they've ever had. But is it just me or is it CBS that has this international market following? Because as you were saying that, the first thing that jumped into my mind was Under the Dome. Uh -huh. I mean, 65 countries. Of course, this thing's doing awesome internationally. And the ratings for season two are way down from season one. And then I think Exton has to be in that same category. Yeah, for sure. So it must be yeah. something with CBS properties. Yeah, I don't know if it what what it is there, but but Unforgettable is also the show that had 12 million people watching it and got canceled on right. CBS because back when it first got canceled, that was that was a low number yeah. uh, for for CBS, and then they brought it back and it didn't do quite as well. And then they try you know they did it over the summer, which was definitely going to not do as well. Uh, but then. It'll be interesting to see, like, if it gets completely, like, retooled again, because I don't know. 
Yeah, didn't they take like half of the they, cast out or? Yeah, because they completely retooled it to, to go into like the third season or whatever, or, or maybe somewhere in the second season. I can't remember. But they had to, that's the other thing about this is like to get it back, they actually had to go back and re-sign, you know, the two leads. And so who knows who else they've signed or what they're, you know, what else they'll be bringing back. Uh, because, you know, once it was canceled, the options were gone. And they, yeah. Uh, so it could we'll be see. like a whole a whole new show once again that the just the two leads will be back. We'll see what happens. This next bit of news is a sad one. Sad day for my family. Uh, ABC Family has announced the fourth season of Melissa and Joey will be its last. I like how you wrote that because so many people are like, Melissa and Joey canceled. Yeah. And yes, technically it is canceled. Yeah. It's but canceled at yeah. It's canceled at the end it's of its canceled fourth at 100 season. Hundred plus episodes, and episodes are still going to air. Like to me, there's such a like the distinction between canceled and ending after a very long run for like a cable network. Yeah, we're there's a the, difference to yeah, me. We're in the middle of season four, which it runs like into March sometime, and then the second half of season four will be back this summer, and yeah. however many episodes it is. You know, ten or fifteen or whatever it is that. Uh... Well, they didn't announce it until they got towards the end of filming. I get the sense that it's not a huge surprise to them either. Yeah, and, like, and I'm the, sure they wrote the towards thing, an ending. But like you said, is is uh, is it's four is it's four seasons, but it's going to have like a hundred plus. Yeah. Episodes because it did like a forty episode season in like season two or something. Exactly. And it's been a you know it's not like it's not like it's uh, been four seasons of 10 episodes or something and it's and it's going away it's it's as the the story that i read you know it's their first uh half hour comedy to uh to hit 100 episodes right i'll be sad for mcjl my cousin joey lawrence but it's basically going to end with the number of episodes that would be the same as if it had done like you know nine seasons on usa yeah yeah nine seasons of some other cable network or four plus seasons, you know, five seasons on a on a network. Yeah, which uh, so you can't, and they're right. I read the re, the release was like the kids are growing up. Ryder's barely in it. They're married now. Like they got to that point where they can end it. It's fine. But I think the real reason they're ending it is that they've just run out of hairstyles for Joey. Oh Lawrence. my God, Joey! I, <laughs> I I'm like I need. I just don't understand his hairs. So bad. I, I think, oh. Talk about continuity. I think my favorite thing about this last season, about this part of the season, is that they, they, you know, the previous season ended with them after the wedding and, you know, in the hospital. Yeah. And then it's the new season picks up and it's only like a couple days later. His hair's and, blonde and, or something. And he's bringing her home. But not only is he blonde, but he's got like a full beard. And so, like, yeah. apparently he grew out his beard in a couple of days and decided that to to bleach his hair. I mean, uh, in, in between, I love him, but. While while his uh, bride was recuperating in the hospital for a day. Joey. So that's, that's Melissa uh, Joey. Sad to see it go because I do enjoy it. Let's make a stand here on the podcast. What is the definition of canceled then? Well, see, that's where I get. <laughs> I have an issue. Like, if they had said it's being pulled from the. It's not going to air. It's done immediately. Or I look at something like Constantine or like Mulaney where they they weren't even given a chance to have a full first season. That to me is being canceled, being pulled from the schedule, being kind of 
unceremoniously like let go or you're not renewed for a second season. Like, well, I think at, even uh, if they would have waited just... till the end of the season and then said it's not coming back, then, you know, I guess it would sound more like uh, canceled. It is a very part of it is when they're announcing line. it. Yeah, I mean, it's all technic- technically anytime. Technically they stop, everything's can- exactly. Once they it's stop canceled. producing it, it's canceled because they're no longer producing it. But, but there's just such a negative connotation yeah. to me. Like canceled A to Z was canceled. They are not airing more. Ep- like it was canceled. <laughs> they didn't get the chance to even go beyond their initial pitch. Ah, uh, good old A to M. You know, but like Melissa and Joey to me is ending. It's ending. Yeah, they're announcing it. Like even a show like uh, like The Glades was at the end of what season four? Yeah, and like that to me, even if that. Like, because they announced it so much after it had been done, that to me is a cancellation because they didn't get the chance to announce, like, everybody, it will end at the end of this particular season. Right. So it's a very fine line. Yeah, I think that it falls right into the, if it's a season one show and you don't finish your first season or you only get the one season, that's definitely a cancel. But Mm -hmm. I would bucket in things like Alphas and Covert Affairs, where you have a definite cliffhanger revolution where you have that definite cliffhanger where there's more story and they don't get to do more story, that's a cancel. But if yeah. it's if it's kind of resolved, like if, for example, Resurrection doesn't come back for a season three, I wouldn't call that canceled because there was enough of a resolution to the main storyline that it ran its course and it's okay. Yeah, to me, cancellation always feels like more of a blind side in that they didn't get to end. Like, Heart of Dixie's probably not going to be renewed, right? Layla Garcin herself has said, like, it will be satisfying. It's not officially canceled, but like they could effectively now say Heart of Dixie will end at the end of season four. And it would, to me, totally make sense. Like it's not a cancellation. So very fine line. But I have to say that I don't say I don't think my cousin's show was canceled. I think it was. It's decided to end on a. It's just coming to an end. Exactly. Um, It's not on here. But as we started podcasting, I can announce that HBO has renewed getting on for a third and final season. Not a huge fan of the show, but I have watched every episode. So I'm sure I'll watch it to conclusion. So wait, are you saying Getting On's being canceled? Yes. <laughs> no, I would say, did I say it's been canceled? No. I don't remember. I don't honestly remember the sentence I said. I would say in this case, they're choosing to end it. That to me, like, if, if they came back and said, Getting On's not coming back, even though they did two, two seasons, that would be a cancellation. But... They're giving it a final season, and it will end at the end of the final season. That's like that's the slight distinction. It will I mean, end after a full season, and we know, and they're going to write to an end. I mean, that's technically, different. it is canceled, sure. but they still have sure. another season to do. That's where it's always interesting. Is and that, they're announcing it now, yeah. and we know, and we're not going to be surprised, you know? So there's that. NBC has renewed The Blacklist for a third season, Grimm for a fifth, Chicago Fire for a fourth, Chicago PD for a third, and Law and Order SVU for its seventeenth. Seventeenth. Also. So when that one comes to an end, it'll be like, oh my god, Law and Order SVU was canceled after eighteen seasons. That will really make me mad <laughs> when people are like, Law and Order is canceled. But like now, NBC is apparently looking into bringing the mothership back for like a six episode run. I remember how mad I was when they were like, it's not coming back for season twenty one. Like. It's tied for the longest running show right now. Why not bring it back for six episodes and just cancel it then? <sighs> uh, maybe they maybe they will. They need something. You mean something other than uh, 
The Blacklist? Yeah. Then Chicago Med? Aren't they going to do that? No, I will watch Chicago Med because you know how I feel about Chicago Fire and Chicago PD. I love them both so much. Especially if they um, put them all on the same night. That would be good. Well, they won't be the same. They'll never be that. <laughs> they need an anchor for three nights a week. So so that's our news. Anything else that's out there, you'll find it. I think I feel like more stuff's going to start to come out now. We're into sweeps. Things are starting to get – probably going to get canceled here and there. And – has anybody seen the Happy Endings countdown? Yeah, what is the deal with that? Like, so they just keep tweeting this countdown. Now, the it's the writers of Happy Endings. Three people are out of shows. One was canceled. Two have chosen to leave their shows. Uh, though I kind of get the sense Adam Pally was let go, and he's saving face and saying he chose to leave. And then three are are on shows that will be not anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So they'll all be free. So you're not so, really, uh, you're not really giving a. Uh, uh, you're not really, really behind a one big happy uh, sticking around for very long on NBC? No, I've seen the promos. And I'm not sold. I've seen Weird Loners, certainly not sold. And Marry Me, I love it, but the ratings are just not there. So I think all six of them will be free. The only concern I have about this countdown is that it ends on April 1st. <laughs> so I feel like it's going to be a 50-day, like... It's almost here. It's almost here. And then we'll be like, April Fool's, you followed us for 50 days. But you know what? I love them so much that I am totally buying it. I don't care. Anything that gives um, me more happy endings, I'm totally behind. Exactly. Even if it is like they shoot an April Fool's Day video. Like, even if it's a, a five-minute video of the six of them back together, I'm okay with it. And then that's the news. So that's our news. Uh, prime time is starting. The 100, Season 2, Episode 11, Coup de Gras. Here's the thing. I didn't, I wasn't on last week, so I couldn't comment about the, the gorilla. <laughs> that was such bad. Like, normally their effects are really good. That was so bad. I mean, if it had only popped up, like, very, like, seldomly, but it was so featured, it was so prominently a fake gorilla, it just drove me crazy. Doesn't make me change my love for the show. I just had to comment about the gorilla before we talked about this week's episode. Yeah, but I was just disappointed that it wasn't that what we were seeing wasn't some sort of weird crossover with the Flash, <laughs> and that that wasn't Grodd running around. <laughs> Which that's a whole other thing. Don't get me started on that. I was disappointed um, that because it was CGI that they didn't have the third arm because it was radioactive or something. <laughs> right. So this week's episode, Bellamy gets in to. Mount Weather. I thought it was actually nice. Of, I mean, sure, the president was, de- you know, dethroned. So he's not in charge anymore. But I did like that he was like, we can't do this anymore. You guys pack up. You're leaving. He was on Jasper's side. And then, of course, because he was on Jasper's side, you knew that his son would be like, you're relieved of duty. <laughs> yeah, he's already pretty much uh, taken over because, you know, people want to go outside. But it was kind of interesting that it was like, this is... Like the leader was like, this is like one step too far. I mean, we have been right. we have been draining grounders for years. <laughs> you know? But I also get the sense that they've only been draining grounders of blood. Like they never gave the incentive. Like it, it feels like his son and that doctor really took it up a notch and started doing the bone marrow stuff and started really investigating ha- on these humans. Yeah. But they have been basically killing off, you know, lots of uh, grounders for a while to stay alive. But sure. This was like one step too far, and you know you knew you knew that like once he was in there, 
there were there were a couple things in the episode. One being, like, of course, you know, Bellamy was going to, you know, he kills a guard, and then the one kid that he runs into of is is the. Kid, so my heart you know, did kind of fall when I saw. You know, I, yeah, it was I, one of those things where as he's talking to this little kid, I'm thinking to myself. Oh my God, that's that's Lovejoy's kid. It has to be, and yeah. then you know, <laughs> and then it, it is, and my heart drops for it because I just feel so. You know, you know how I feel about everybody on the show, even Grounders. You know, <laughs> yes, we do know how you. <laughs> we know how I feel, but I just, I really do love the show. Yeah, they just oh, do stuff. I, well, I that think the best part show is doing. I think the the best part of the show was uh, uh, was the line was it uh, you, you may be the chancellor, but I'm in charge. Yeah, I also <laughs> like the was... line where she says, you know, someone tried to kill you. It's okay if you're upset. And she's like, someone tries to kill me every day. Like, <laughs> I, I am. You know, this is normal. I don't know what you expected. So what do you think, I'm Troy? used to it. I think that this show has really gone to a place that I never expected the CW to go to at yeah. all. I, I was a little upset by the title of the episode because I felt it gave away too much. But at the same time, I really love how you had the changing of the guard inside of Mount Weather. But then you also have the changing of the guard on the ground at base camp for the Sky People. Not that they're officially changed because she's not the chancellor herself as Clark is, but she's got all the power and she's driving the ship, um, yeah. even though they're on the ground. I, I want to see from the show the the group that left, you know, with um, Thelonious. I just want to see where, where are they going? Where's this other city? Where's these other people? I, I hope they resolve the Mount Weather storyline in season two and explore more of the Earth because I think yeah. this, this show could go on forever. I love that this, like, because they can go anywhere. They've only seen such a small part of the world that it really could go anywhere and they're not afraid to kind of explore that. And I, I agree. I hope the Mount Weather is kind of resolved and maybe there's still going to be some kind of nemesis there, but that everybody can be reunited before, you know, the next problem comes up because there's still what the ice people or something right the that's, sand people you know, and then that special city that they have that they were trying so, to get to and all these I, different grounder troops that yeah. the commander was able to bring together under one unity banner what happens when they find out they're attacking Mount weather and the other tribes don't want to go along with that right so i just think you know i want more and more people to watch it i want i mean because i haven't heard of anybody who watches it and doesn't like it to me it's a show that Anybody who has watched it is all in. I mean, and, and I and, think that you should be. And this is something that I, I commend the CW for because over the years, it's really become more of the, I don't want to call it teen romance, teen sex, sexualization mm-hmm. of the, especially of the women on, on the network for a network that's to, to catered towards women. This is a great show because it's showcasing how strong females are and how mm-hmm. great was Octavia this week in her role and just picking up these customs of, the grounders and being able to hold back still on her humanity side, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all human at the end of the day, but not, I mean, still listening to Clark, but under the expectation that she might've gotten reprimanded from her, her leader, her mentor now, because she did hold back. Right. I think that's very interesting to see that dynamic of, does she follow Clark or does she follow her mentor? And I think it's, a, she's like so important to bridging the gap. She, now that she is following the mentor, she's kind of proving to the rest of the grounders that like you can still be what my sky people are and be grounders. Yeah. Well, it still shows the difference between them where it's like, uh, you know, where, you know, where she says that, you know, uh, 
a warrior dies and we keep this one alive, you know, they're all about just trouncing their, you know, their enemy and with almost a, like no thought for strategy yeah, or, or even wanting to hear about, they, they see some of these things as just weakness, uh, you know, where it would almost be if they just sent their horde to attack Mount Weather and just, you know, got wiped out that like, that's a preferable than to, you know, trying to work some finesse, some plan or something like that to actually be able to get into uh, the place or actually be able to stop them. And so it's kind of a, it's still an interesting dynamic mm-hmm. uh, between the, between the two. But yeah, I just, uh, I, I mean, the, <laughs> just almost everything about the show is just really well done. And, and it keeps, it, it keeps maintaining that pace, you know, mm-hmm. which is why I do think they will resolve Mount weather because they, they're at a point right now where they're only halfway through the season and, you know, they already have an inside man. They already have kind of what they need to get the, to get it going. I think it'll be interesting. And the Let's one see. thing we kind of forget about is that now our hopes and prayers as the sky people are in the hands of the two people that never should have gotten to the ground in the first place because Octavia was the child under the floorboards and Bellamy was the one that was, you know, in charge of shooting the chancellor and protecting her sister. And he could have floated for that. Right. Exactly. These are our two saviors that we're relying everything on. And I love how um, they're slowly in it. Not that I think a show needs it, but I like that they're slowly kind of building this relationship of Clark and Bellamy and how much Clark does need Bellamy when they were so polar opposite. Um, so I like that it's a slow build to that. I like that. I like that there is no love triangle. I like that there are no women fighting for men. I just, I love that it's so different than what we see on any normal teen drama. What happens when Jasper comes back to Octavia though? That'd be a little uh, triangle at that point since we can't. And that was the thing I didn't like about this week. What happened to um, what happened to Lincoln? Lincoln, yeah, yeah. How, that was that was pretty disappointing that he seemed to be fighting it off, and then as soon as he got near it, he was just like, "Yeah, shoot me up." Well, I mean, I guess that's you know, it's telling me the tale of an addict, and you know, they're able to kind of cover something relatable, even though it's you know on a much more dangerous scale, obviously, than you know a normal addict. But I like that. I, I do miss knowing what happened to him, but we'll find out, I'm sure. So that's The 100. I love it. I am so all in, and I hope everybody else is. So here's another. Here's a show I'm not necessarily all in on. <laughs> Scandal, Season 4, Episode 10, Run, and Episode 11, Where's the Black Lady? The highlight of the episodes for me was the lady from 227. <laughs> so I don't know... I don't know if that really kind of explains where my head is about the show. I thought, and I said this today, and I know I'll get backlash for this, but Carrie Washington's acting, I felt was atrocious in two key scenes. The scene where she was kidnapped by the guy who got shot in the head on Grey's Anatomy in the back of the ambulance. It just felt so forced where she realizes that he's not the guy in charge. This is an episode, the run episode. I just... It killed me. It was so annoying. And then this week, it just every time she plays like the damsel, it's just because she's we're used to seeing her so strong and she's so good when she gives these 
really strong up against the wall, you know, I'm the white knight, I'm going to save everything kind of speeches that when she's relegated to like kind of being someone who's dealing with being the victim, she just is way over the top for me. Well, she kind of did finally step up and talk her way out of the situation, although she would have been better off if she just waited another day, you know. Though I don't know that – see, that's the thing. They would have found her, sure, but I like that she got herself cleaned up and she figured out a way to leave the breadcrumbs. Well, and- yeah, well, of course, they had. They couldn't leave – you know, they, they the way the show works, they couldn't just leave her to be – end up having to be rescued without her right. having done uh, something. Exactly. Uh, but part of part of these last two episodes that annoyed me are in the previous one is, well, you mentioned it, you know, she knows that the guy on the, you know, on there is not the, the leader of the group, but then it takes her till, you know, towards the end of this episode before she figures out that the guy that's now holding her, you know, and mm-hmm. the situation that's going on is not you know that he's actually taking orders from somebody and uh and so but the the main problem i had with it is is i get the holding her and you know maybe you know putting somebody else in with her and then making her think that that person got killed and all that stuff was to sort of break her so that she would be 100 did it better well so that she would be in that position to look like she did you know and sort of be like she was for the video yeah. but the whole thing of where at the end of that, the previous episode run where she gets out and then the guy comes out and is like, you know, it's all fake. And, uh, but thanks for, but thanks for letting us know that, you know, that the president would do anything, uh, you know, to get you back. And you're just like, but then in the next episode, you instantly find out that the vice president is the ultimate one behind the kidnapping. And he already knew that. So there right. was like no like I didn't get like what the point was of that whole storyline like was so that was it to make it so that she would think it was like that this guy was in charge or something and not think about somebody else being it was just sort of like a this whole episode I you knew where it was going you knew yeah. when she finally got out that it was a fake place the whole time I mean you knew that's what was happening and then, then they go into this episode. It made the whole previous episode feel like so unneeded, right? Like no, none I'm of with like you. a lot of the things that happened in it, her getting her to sort of open up a little bit or say something about being rescued or or what have you. It wasn't like he had kidnapped her and he was trying to find out. You don't kidnap somebody like Olivia Pope without knowing that she's worth something to somebody. Right. Especially with the way that they did it. It it just was all. And then the whole idea that now he was willing to go in and and send the troops in. And then she's able to talk her way out by, you know, getting this guy to go after a bigger score where, you know, to put her out on the open market. And then all of a sudden there's people going to be bidding all over the world to take control of the person that has that the president will do anything to save. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the I whole just don't... the whole show seems to like like I found this seems to be like to one spin forward. out of control too far. Yes, I agree with that. I yeah, wanted I, to fast forward the whole time. And I thought the run episode was really great because I was really getting kind of disenchanted with it since like midway through season three. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to more of a 
you know, post like season one with the voter fraud and everything. And I wanted this to get back to more of that scandalous type stuff. So I enjoyed the, the run episode. But then, yeah, like you said, in, in where's the black lady? If these people are so smart to kidnap Olivia and hold her wherever they're holding her in this small town outside Philadelphia, apparently, then how is Huck able to get in and completely terrorize this woman that's working with the vice president? You think the vice president would have some security guards watching, what have you. And then the Secret Service all of a sudden flips and everybody in the White House has eyes and ears for Andrew. And then they're sitting on the balcony with him and Melanie as he's telling Melanie, Melanie what's going on. And they know that they don't have that close of a relationship. And they're right. supposed to think they're macking on the balcony for that long period of time. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. Ellie wouldn't stand for that. She'd throw a fried chicken in his face. Exactly. So I, I don't I don't know what to think of the open market thing. Um, you know, it just shows that Olivia still has her power and can do what she does. So it writes into that. Yeah, but I would it, have it, been I would have been much more impressed if after she shot the guy and then got out of the red doors, if she would have still had the gun on her. Like, why would you, when you're trying to escape, why would you drop the weapon and run for the door? Because then when she got out those doors and saw that it was fake and that guy came out, it's not like he came out holding a gun. Right. You know, she could have, you know, shot at him. I just like, she could have actually got herself out. uh, Yeah, it just feels, I don't know, it feels like there's a forced sense of, like, excitement. I, you know, I say this all the time, TV, it, you know, scripted TV is obviously, it's all contrived, but when you can see the machinations yeah. going and you feel that things are just happening for the sake of so that they can get to this next thing that's, you know, bigger and weirder, and then you you kind of just, uh, you kind of almost harken back and go, man, I kind of wish this group was still just like taking some cases and helping some people right. out. Cause it's exactly. Like, it just keeps, you know... It, it's a, it's a bigger conspiracy, bigger conspiracy built on a new bigger conspiracy, and uh, and all we we were all sitting there going, "Where's the black lady?" Right. <laughs> but also, Just like, like she was, we're like, go back to the firm. The firm is what's needed. And David Rosen's been on the back burner the whole time. It's frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, you're just like, uh, but just lots of stuff like you know he talks to the the previous uh, Secret Service guy, and apparently that's a where he's talking to him, that's a secret enough conversation that nobody knows what they're talking about because he reminds him that he could talk freely. He could somehow talk freely at Olivia's apartment, yet if he leaves and the Secret Service takes him there, even though they don't know necessarily who he's talking to inside the thing, wouldn't they know that he left? Like, yeah. Wouldn't the eyes and ears know that he left and went to Olivia's apartment and be like, why'd you go to Olivia's apartment? Right. Like, <laughs> Wouldn't the Secret Service guys, like, wouldn't some of the ones that are on the detail been part of the eyes and ears and gone in and looked around and went, oh, he's talking to this other guy? You yeah, know, I don't something. know. It was, there's just too many things that they just, like, lay off. And, then, you know, then they have Melly go in and sleep with the vice president so that he can, she could take his phones. And, uh, I don't know. This. Yeah, I just, I don't know where it's going to go. And I don't know that I'm interested enough to really care anymore. But yeah, but they're also at now a point again where they've gone to something bigger that like once she, you know, finally gets herself out of this or however it happens, they're going to try for something even bigger. And yeah. it just keeps getting more ridiculous. Yes. As it goes. 
Like, say what I will about, like, how Grey's Anatomy, like, season finales or season premieres, they're always, like, some catastrophic event. It always feels grounded in reality. And I feel like Scandal's starting to become ungrounded. Well, yeah, completely uh, <laughs> ungrounded with all the stuff that's going on. But also in such a way where it used to be sort of, even though it was starting to spin out of control with weird stuff, at least it sort of kept you guessing. Yeah. But like I said, in the the, the whole, whole episode was telegraphed. The whole, the whole exactly run episode, was there was nothing. There was nothing I didn't know that was going to happen. Like I knew, as soon as she was put in a room with another guy, that that guy was, you know, either the leader or a plant. And that they didn't really kill him. You know, you, you knew all of this stuff as it was going through, and you, yeah. you had an idea that it wasn't that they weren't actually in another country or something, and. And so that's the that's really the main thing for me is even even if you talk about like uh you know even if you wrap your head around the ridiculousness of it it's starting to become predictable ridiculousness and right. part of the fun of it was that you never really knew like what was going to happen Exactly. And that feels like that's going away. So that's scandal. I mean, I'm sure I'll watch to the end of the season. It's, it's not at a point yet where I'm like, I'm gonna quit. Like I'm not. It's, well, it's not there. It's almost at the point where you just, where you continue to watch because you're just like, well, what kind? How much stupider can it get? Right. Kind <laughs> exactly. So that's scandal. Uh, moving on to the blacklist, season two, episode nine. This is interesting. That the one was called Luther Braxton and. Episode 10 was called Luther Braxton Conclusion. There wasn't like part one and part two. <laughs> no, because it was the conclusion of Luther Braxton. Literally. It's good to see Ron Perlman. Love Ron Perlman. I don't know what you're going to do with him. He's kind. Of, he's a side of beef. <laughs> yes. One big that guy. That was very funny. He's got a large um, belly. To the point where uh, I, like, you know, everybody had the big showdown on Thursday night. What's everybody going to watch? Or Scandal? Or is Blacklist going to hold up? And it did it beat Scandal in the ratings, total viewership-wise. Sure, it didn't get the um, 18 to 49 as big. But I chose the blacklist on Thursday, and I watched Scandal on Sunday. So you can understand, I actually wanted to watch James Spader and see where that went. I was disappointed, however, that we found out basically nothing about how they're connected. But we did at least find the fulcrum. Oh, so you think that you found the fulcrum, and I don't think you did. What does the bunny rabbit have in it then? Well, it has it has something that leads to the fulcrum. Yeah, I think that's. Oh, uh, okay, maybe. Yeah, sure. I think it's some sort of uh, it's some sort of key or something that gets you, yeah, that that gets you to the to the fulcrum because you're talking 26 years ago, so it can't be like some sort of small data device or something like True. that or or whatever. But speaking of sort of like predictableness. As soon as you saw the bunny, you No, knew. I actually didn't think that. I didn't think anything of the bunny until she was looking at it at the very end of the episode. It it didn't quite hit me when she in the in the vision when she was holding the real bunny. Mm-hmm. But then when they showed the part of the vision where she was holding the, you know, the stuffed bunny and we'd seen that before. And so as soon as I saw that a second time, I was like, well, there's something in the bunny. Yep. <laughs> so, because we've seen that shot before of the burning clown face and the fire and the bunny hanging there, and I was like, "Oh, the bunny! The bunny's where it is." But you've also, but I think we've also seen that she has the bunny. Yeah. 
we 26, 26 years later, full of smoke inhalation. <laughs> you know, from that, that that's one of the things she still has from her childhood or whatever. So I think the thing about this was, you know, there was some, you know, sort of big action sequences and, uh, you know, you know, kind of cool to have Ron Perlman there as a, as the sort of the big post Super Bowl guest star. And, mm-hmm. you know, it made for some, you know, there was some fun stuff with the, with the episodes, but overall, I think while we sort of did get a little bit, like we did find, you know, a little bit, I think mainly what the episode did was it sort of confirmed some things and then also sort of got Liz like up to speed. Like she's like a little farther along with the, you know, what she actually knows or thinks or whatever. Uh, but I think it kind of, it just sort of brought a bunch of different things back that we kind of already sort of thought. I uh, think it did a good job, though, of introducing new people. But then Absolutely. it also introduced that doctor. Uh, I mean, I think the interesting thing was it introduced that doctor where she said, I think the some of the big problems that we had here was that Somebody's somebody, had, somebody had locked a, a memory away you know, had used some sort of therapy to to lock some sort of memory away that that's what we were trying to get at. Right. And that what you are seeing and remembering may not be exactly what happened. It's, right. It's sort of what you re- – and so maybe people were there, maybe people were not. It almost even seemed like maybe it was like, you know, was there a big fire, you know, or, you know, was this someplace else where, you know – that the events that she's remembering exactly good to see Gloria, not necessarily in the same sequence or in the right uh, spot. And so that was kind of interesting to find out is that, that maybe somebody had done some sort of therapy on her to make her forget something. Uh, But red's known all along, you know, whether he was the person that did that in the beginning or not, which I don't get the sense that he would have been like, because he wanted to know what she was he wanted to help her kind of find her memory. To me, it didn't read like he was involved in hiding yeah. her memory. He, I, I don't think he, that initially he was involved because obviously he wouldn't need to like keep her going through the process to find something right. out. Exactly. He just knows that she has that she does know something, uh, and he just has been keeping an eye on her, knowing that she's sort of the key to finding. Uh, this thing that he keeps telling everybody that he has. Mm-hmm. And I think people are reading into that relationship more than they should because Red is a manipulator at the end of the day. And the only reason Red said to stop was not because he cared for her, but because he knew that if he went too far, he would die. She would die just like um, you know, Luther tried to do. And so that's why he pulled back or had the doc pull back because if he kills her, he won't get the info and he still doesn't have the info. Because I think that's the one thing that we have to remember is that the fulcrum is the only thing that's keeping Red alive and the Alliance not coming after him, which is why he says, call my bluff, see if what you're going to do. So it's like Arvin Sloan. Totally. It's exactly what it is. And we actually talk about this on the Blacklist Exposed podcast that I'm on about the kind of ties to Alias because John Eisendrath is one of the executive producers and showrunners. Love that guy. He was on Alias. So, so you have this secret alliance of 12. You got this uh, strong woman with daddy issues. And then you have um, what we found out in the dream sequence. We actually have the audio clip cleaned up uh, this argument between the man and the woman at the front door or wherever they were in the house. And she's saying that, you know, her name is Masha, M-A-S-H-A. And the, the girl even turns around and says, hey, who's Masha? And he's like, you are. 
So what it, it looks like is one of the theories we had on the podcast was that it was actually in this whole concept of the Russian room getting blown up with the Berlin saga. So then maybe Red is stationed over in Russia, meets a Russian woman who then ends up marrying Red, but Red brings her and her child back to the U.S. because oh. Masha is actually a Russian version of Marie or Maria. And so that led us to believe that maybe there's more to this Russian bombing tied to this alliance group. And the fulcrum is the proof that this alliance did the bombing in Russia. Hmm. I've never thought that intensely about it. But now I'm like, now I want to go back and watch it and see if I pick up on these things. Because, like, I was a huge, like, what does that mean in Alien? It's like every every turn I was like, oh, my God, that was something. Like, that had to be something important. And it always did get connected. And, you know, until it started going off the rails and there was, like, vampires or whatever. Um, Red ball zombies. Yeah. But man, I loved Alias. I was watching Alias videos today because I started listening to Kate Bush songs. And then I was like, oh, my God. And this is the song where she puts her ring back on after her first day at SD6 after she knows. Like, all these things are going through my head as I'm watching clips today. But I just in general, you know, I like it because it's not I, – I don't have to really think about it if I don't want to. But then there are so many mysteries or things that I can follow up on and really think about as I watch The Blacklist. So I can watch it in two ways and I can watch it twice and find something new each time I watch it. I just, I like that. I like that side of it. And I really do like Kessler. Kessler? Wrestler. Wrestler. Uh, Cause I like Diego Klatenhoff a whole lot, but I like the idea that they're slowly building something with the two of them there too, because everybody needs their Michael Vaughn. Absolutely. Although he's been kind of on the back burner most of the season. ever since. And I film, loved so. when Aram saw them and put his <laughs> and favorite and like, had to hug her so much. And then, and then after, after and then he that, had to hug Ressler yeah, because he had hugged her. To sort of so cover, amazing. to try and cover the, the hug of That's her. Why, like, it does like the really, it does some fun, it's kind of, you know, I keep bringing it back to Alias, but it's like when Weiss would show up, there was right. always that moment of like a little bit of humor with all the darkness. So I, I really do like it. And I'm glad that, you know, it survived at least one Thursday so far. So, and I think that it's going to be just fine. And it still gets most of its bump from the DVR. So it'll be great to see what these DVR numbers look like for both. these Exactly. Because I have a feeling that people are probably going to talk it up more. And I've seen a lot of people talk scandal down a little bit, kind of like, and that was like, we've been saying it was so predictable. I think people might be tiring a little bit, not, you know, not enough to make a huge difference, enough to say that maybe people are going to pick the blacklist instead of scandal for a while well i think the other thing you have to keep in mind too is that you have reddington just having these awesome stories and awesome lines i mean there's no one else on television that could have delivered the i've never had anything better tasting in my mouth line and be able to pull it off successfully (laughs) i was just about like spit out my soda and my popcorn i was was like did he just say that wow I was sort of shocked too. I was like, "Wait, is this on network TV?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just switched over to a cable drama right here in the middle of the show. Uh, yeah, that was yeah, like totally, you know. But <laughs> but and then says, "I told you so." Uh, that was a, that was a great line. Uh, I think one of the, I mean, I mean, we've jokingly called it to you know the James Spader monologues uh, before. Is you know, that's what a lot of what's good about the show is these. Is these we little call, stories? We call it, uh, yeah, we call it story time with Red. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how he always manages to make it important. 
Yeah, but what I think is interesting is there's this dynamic in, you know, where previously, you know, he's he told her that he's never lied to her and he never will. Which is supposedly confirmed by the executive producers in the season one finale DVD commentary. And so if you go on that, it's the reason why more times than not, when somebody asks a question, he goes into the story about this one time in Belgrade or this one time in wherever uh, type of thing. But what's funny is the story always has, there's sort of like a, a sort of moral to the story, like laced in there that sort of answers the question without answering the question, you know, straight on. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's basically the way it is, is like, I, I've never lied to you, but I haven't necessarily told you everything. Right. You know? <laughs> so I, I think that's an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, relationship there. And, and they seem to have, have, have kept on with that. Uh, and I think we saw, you know, like where she, you know, goes off on him, like you don't really care about anybody or anything or me or what have you. But you can see the look on his face as she's being taken out of, you know, the empty pool that he does. It, it, that this may be like the one, you know, besides, you know, his bodyguard Dimbe, this may be like the only other person that he actually does have any they care about at all. Uh, yeah. You know, you know what? I, I will say that I, I am getting sick of how she, you know, is done with him. You know, this is it. I'm not. It, but then every episode, like even in the but previews then they have for to next work week, with him again. <laughs> well, sure. Like even if they had to work with him, that's fine. But like in the previews for next week, she just, she, you know, there's a scene where they show a preview where she's like, what's wrong? And he's like, everything's wrong. Like, you know, like just even the way that Megan Boone maybe plays it, like she doesn't, she's not mad at him still. Well, see, I think they're building up her badassness because that whole first part with Tom and the boat in the early season. And then you have, now she has this leverage. She has something red wants, but red doesn't know she has it. Mm-hmm. So is she going to play up her badassness, go along with red to kind of maybe manipulate red? Cause we've always said in the podcast that we do that it's, it's a story about Liz, but it's a story about red grooming Liz. And so when is Liz going to be like the next Reddington mm-hmm. at what point? Because she has this criminal past. If you remember from the conversation in the pilot, so where is that piece of her, the warrior gene episode? And we're like, oh, Liz has got that warrior gene. So all this stuff is coming out. It's interesting to see how her character has developed over the years. As long as Megan gets to wear her actual hair. Exactly. That's all we're I good. care about. Big gate is over. Yes. Oh, my God. So the blacklist, obviously, we're all still way into it. And I do wonder where it's going. And I do think about where it's going. So I'm, I'm happy that it keeps that up. Here's a show, the next show. Allegiance, season one, episode one, pilot. It just otherwise, felt known like... as, otherwise known as the Americans on broadcast television. But so not even close. Like right. I, <laughs> Exactly. I love Scott Cohen. I love Hope Davis. That's about all I can really say. You know what? I normally do hate, what's her name? Marguerite Leviviera, whatever her name is, because I hated her on Revenge. And she was Zenitakos was... on the blacklist. She actually might be my favorite part of this so far. Totally. She was really good. Um, she was really good. And I, you know me, his accent coverage, because he's British, is terrible. His English, his American accent is terrible. Sorry, Alex. Your American accent is terrible. It's also weird that Hope Davis goes in and out of her Russian accent. Right. Uh, that, 
<laughs> and that could just be a function of her being in the United States for a while. Yeah, I guess, but it it, it it's it's it it just seemed <laughs> that that was the one thing accent wise that I uh that I noticed. The weird thing about the show is well, yeah, it does seem like because they you know, it's Russian spies and uh, you know, a family plant that you know, it sounds like the Americans uh, but it's based on an Israeli show, you know that uh, the that they've you know done and now done an American version, and I'm I haven't been able to go in and find uh, yet. That, that's one of the things I meant to do was to go search for like what was the uh, you know like the the plant where was the group from in you know in the Israeli version, uh, you know what type of dynamic was it and. You know, why did they choose? I think the reason that bringing it over here, the reason that they chose in the American version to make it Russian spies was because of the Americans. Uh, but the thing about it that feels weird is you start trying to do the math of they stopped spying like six years ago and they're trying to be brought back in. But that means so you start going backwards and you're like, so did they were they like sent over here? Or like she came over and like recruited him in the you know in the eighties in the nineties like where I didn't even think that much about you know, it. like how far back because like right now uh, it didn't really it didn't really make sense because you're just like really is is uh like back in the eighties it makes sense you know early eighties like we have in the Americans the height of the Cold War mm-hmm. uh, that that premise makes sense. Here now, it makes less sense, although in the second episode, they do try and give it an explanation of why they're trying to bring them back online, you know, and, but it, it's still just that that whole part of the premise feels weird. Now, on the other side of it, I did have sort of fun watching the sort of spy, you know, sort of, uh, and then, you know, the kid who's the sort of like, you know, the autistic Sherlock Holmes uh, you know, type of thing. Otherwise known as Scorpion on CBS. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which is a terrible show too. But, uh, but yeah, you just, uh, I sort of enjoyed it on the spy level. And I guess partly because I watched, I've seen the first three, uh, into like, uh, I mean, I mean the third episode sort of turns into, uh, what's the, what's that movie? the, the movie with Nicolas Cage where he's looking for artifacts and whatnot. National Treasure. Treasure. One of the National best movies Treasure. ever made. Great movie. Is, well, that's the the fun part of it is the third episode basically turns into National Treasure. Uh, in in that the, there's all these groups and searching for something. Uh, and they're all trying to, you know, and it happens to take place in, you know, in Philadelphia at Constitution Hall or whatever. And, and so there's some of the spy aspects of it are fun, but the, the whole thing, the whole thing is just too, like too much. Like I, I kind of enjoyed it on a, just like, this is ridiculous, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Troy? Well, I guess I only seen the pilot this past Thursday. I liked it from the sense of, it gave me that Americans feel. It gave me the scorpion feel. You blend those together. I kind of enjoy both shows, but to get them all into one, I thought that was really nice. And I laughed a couple times and I found myself enjoying it. I was like, yeah, I could watch another one of these. But then it got to the end of the episode. And the one thing that had me intrigued about the show was the 
he doesn't know that they're spies. Not that he still doesn't know exactly, but he's already connected a dot in the first mm-hmm. episode. So it's like, where's the buildup? Where's the you know suspense for the rest of the time? You just got to this new job, and now you've already kind of blown the whistle on the whole cover thing. So, yeah, I, I guess I have to see how season episode two and three go from that perspective. I enjoyed it. I'll watch it a couple more because I got nothing else to watch at that time. Um, since I watched How to Get Away with Murder on DVR with I Watch Scandal. But it was enjoyable. I think some of the acting is it's it's OK. It's not phenomenal by any means, like the hundred. Um, but we'll yeah, we'll just give it some time. See how it breathes. Yeah, I mean, it was perfectly benign to me. Like, I will watch probably a second episode just to kind of see. Uh, I did think it was weird that they basically jumped. Like, I think the second scene was Victor coming in and saying, you need to turn your son before we even established that these two knew that they like that these two were spies. <laughs> Right. Oh, my dog's barking. And then to have him already know something at the end of the episode, it felt like they attempted to put too much into the first episode. Yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, on the spy. Like I said, on the spy level, it's kind of fun to watch. But then I'm probably going to I'll probably watch another episode past the third one, given uh, given how that one ends. And it, it does seem to also be written that each episode ends on sort of like a big thing. And so that's the other thing about it too, is you just go, how long can you, how many big things can there be? Yeah. Like how many times can you write to a huge, you know, sort of a, before it, it kind of becomes even more ridiculous than it already is. But there's nothing else on in February. So might as well, at least until <laughs> yeah. new stuff comes out in March. Yeah, it's, it's something to bide your time with until, until until March, when uh, all kinds of things start. Oh my God, up. I keep seeing promos. I'm like, no, it's too much. I can't. Slow down. <laughs> There's 3,000 things to watch. <laughs> so, yes, that's Allegiance. We're all kind of, you know, kind of involved in watching it. Uh, last show in primetime is The Walking Dead, Season 5, Episode 9. What happened and what's going on? The mid season premiere. And. So what do you think, Troy? <laughs> so good. So full disclosure, I have binge watched the entire Walking Dead saga starting in January to get caught up for February 8th. So I have seen like it in like the most condensed format you can think. I was doing like four episodes a day. And I have to say, being able to watch it with the rest of the community finally, this episode had a really awesome feel to it. It was visually beautiful. It was scored very well. Overall, the story I wasn't so enthralled with. It was kind of like, eh. But then when the story played out and you saw how all the visual components that they ran in that opening sequence play out, I mean, you're assuming that they're there for Beth's funeral and that all of this is around Beth. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is what actually happened. I thought that was where it was phenomenally paced and well done to get to that point and just to have that, uh, you know, the one thing that you're going to come away with it is that it's going to be okay now. <laughs> that, that, uh, well, it seems that, uh, that death is preferable in this world is what, is what all his visions were telling him. Yeah. It was an interestingly put together episode and that, you know, how they opened up with those clips. Each, com- each commercial break had the clips too. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then they kept, they would go back to some of them that you hadn't seen, you know, that they hadn't, put back in yet or whatever and then finally when you start you know when he started seeing uh, uh these things and 
you know, after he gets bit and all the, you know, all these visions that he, he keeps having. Uh, on the on the one hand, it kind of felt too soon to, like, see Beth again. Uh, because, you know, we got, like, the big Beth death scene and then, you know, the reaction and you see a little bit. But then this whole episode is about another character dying. Like, it, it seemed almost kind of too quick after... Uh, even though, you know, after it's uh, been a layoff, but it seemed in the story overall, it seemed like too quick to just like to lose another character. But I will agree that it was put together well and the way that it played out was good to watch. But overall, really not a whole lot happened other than the idea that maybe they are actually going to head to Washington, D.C. now. <laughs> Which is the most interesting thing. We're going to go there to find out what's there just because, yeah, we're only 100 miles out. So why not? We've got nothing else to do. And and so I guess uh, that'll be uh, uh, that'll be interesting. But it, it, it I don't know. It kind of played off kind of weird. Like all of a sudden it was this. I, I guess the other thing is you sort of <laughs> if you look the way the show's put together is as soon as he started telling the kid a story about what his father was like and and all this stuff, you're like, oh, man, uh, so he's going to die. How awesome was that, too, when the governor was approaching him and then the governor turns into a zombie. And I was like, man, that was awesome. Yeah. And then he's fighting him off. And he's like, well, I'm already bitten the arm. So <laughs> might as well, here, just might as well use, use it, it again. this is my weapon. Yeah. Why reach for something and take him out. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that, that was, that was pretty good. Uh, and then, you know, the whole thing of, you know, he's has this vision of like the, the two girls grabbing his arm, but it's really, you know, Rick and they're trying to chop his arm off to try and save him, save him. And, and then ultimately the, you know, you see at the end that the grave that they were digging was, uh, was for him. And I mean, a good episode, but some of it felt a little weird. Like I said, it seemed too soon to see Beth again. And then also too soon to like knock off another major character. Well, and the Beth thing was interesting too. Cause I, as I was watching it, it didn't even give it away. Cause he, if they're, you immediately assume they're having her funeral and they waited long enough in the episode that you kind Before of, he has the vision of her. Yeah. They didn't right. show that early on, but yeah, but the whole, but the whole thing with the, you know, the visuals of the, you know, the picture on the floor of the house and then the blood, dripping and covering it over and the sun as they're driving along everything was like pointing to how the things are not are not great uh in the world that they are in now but uh but it's okay now yeah. i do have to ask because i watched it on itunes this morning did you watch it on amc last night yeah okay so when you watched it did they roll the credits what played over the credits for you guys I don't remember. Did like AMC do a promo and kind of wash over them like they usually do, or I think it went to some sort of a promo, but the my DVR sort of cut off like halfway through whatever whatever uh, it the was. promo was. So, so in the credits on iTunes, when you watch the episode, as the credits start to roll, all they had instead of like the outro music or whatever, they just had the the shovel still digging all the way through the credits. So I thought that was really interesting that people that watch it on network TV don't get those little tidbits, those pieces versus watching it from a streaming provider or purchasing the episode outright. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't recall. But then they've done a few things this you know, this season with the 
you know, actual segments after, uh, you know, the final uh, commercial break or after the credits, you know, like the the scene in the first part of the season where after the credits, they, you know, there's the one guy that's uh, that's sort of following along that's way behind them. He, you've had a couple episodes with him in the, you know, prior before, and they're sort of hinting at something, you know, maybe he'll be in the end of this season. But, you know, that's something that, like, the DVR completely cut off on, you know, like the first time uh, when I was watching. I had to go back and, like, when I heard about uh, something, I had to go back and find out what people were talking about because it didn't even... Got to add the two minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's a... yeah, but then all of your other recordings get screwed up because you have... Yeah, it, well, it, it depends on the... It de- yeah, it depends on the nights or the... Number of tuners you or, have. Or, the yeah, yeah the stuff... Right now I'm right now I'm okay except for on uh, uh, Tuesday nights where there's like six things at ten o'clock <laughs> <laughs> that are that are all on at the same time. Uh, so that's uh, that's kind of that's that's the only place where the four tuner DBR doesn't uh, doesn't record everything. But uh, luckily, cable shows replay things late night, so you can just reset some of those for other things. So yeah. I may get caught up eventually. Like I did finally catch up with Breaking Bad before the final season. See, that's you can do what Troy just did. He just he just caught up over the last uh, couple months. Someday, maybe the whole the whole series. So forty days, (laughs) forty days, forty days and forty nights of The Walking Dead. You know it. So there's the question: Is (laughs) how did you sleep? You know, I can say that actually January, I didn't sleep too well. And I wonder if it was because I was watching so much Walking Dead. Four episodes, oh, of, four episodes of Murder and Mayhem of Walking Dead. Just, just those gut, gut-wrenching episodes, like season two, when they find out about um, the girl. And then season three, when Little Ass Kicker's born. I mean, I'm just like sobbing. And my wife is like, are you crying at a zombie show? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you don't understand. There's no crying in zombie shows. I cry at anything. Surprised I haven't watched it. I'm still getting over the Parenthood finale. Oh my god, I don't even want to think about it. Like I was tearing up the next day when I was talking about it with people. Like Absolutely. I, it was emotionally um, destabilizing to say the least. So yeah, I don't watch it, um, but I'll get caught up eventually. So now reality, just a little bit of reality this week. Just the way Amory likes it. Yes. Uh, Master Chef Junior. I gotta say, these little. Speaking of crying, so last week I talked to two of the kids, and th- realistically, I should have known that I was talking to them on the like the day or like the day before their final episode aired because it was like they can't talk about what comes next, and I didn't think about oh that must mean that they're getting kicked off. But after having talked to these kids, they are so inspiring as like these little kids who know what they like. You know, I'm four times the age of the youngest on the show and I have no idea what I want to do with my life. And this little boy is like, no, I'm going to be a chef. I'm pretty confident it'll work out. Like he was just so like adorable. And then he got kicked off and I got teared up, but I just love the show and I'm so happy with it. And I'm glad that it's going to continue for another season. And I don't care who wins. I just love them all. And then on the same thing for Top Chef, which is interesting to me, because usually with a show like Top Chef, there's always, like last season, the winner came out of nowhere and really kind of shouldn't have won. (laughs) 
um, based on based on you know, maybe just how they edited it or whatever. But this season, I actually liked the top four. I like the top three. Like I don't have a horse in the race because I like them all, and that never happens to me. Like usually on these reality shows, I'm so you know, hardcore rooting for one specific person. But now I'm just like, whoever wins, I will actually be happy with this season. So that's good. And that's it for reality. I'm excited because I I looked on my DVR. We're not quite there yet, but I I can go as far as to the week of when Survivor and the Amazing Race start. (laughs) So I'm getting closer. That's exciting to me because I love them both. Me too. And they're on the same night. I know. So, I mean, just for the premiere, but still, that's going to be a hell of a night. So that's reality. TV recommendations. I didn't think of one until I got online this afternoon. My recommendation is a comedy on USA that I think everybody needs to be watching. It's called Sirens, and it's hilarious. That's what I have to say about it. Yeah, that's a... It's one that in the first season, especially at the beginning of the first season, I I didn't like that much. Uh, especially next to some of the other things that they had that I liked better. But, uh, you know, at least, uh, was it playing house did finally get, uh, renewed, <laughs> did yeah, finally get renewed, but, uh, you were just like, you renewed sirens, but you didn't renew this one. This was so much better. But I think in this season, I think they've really, it's one of those where, you know, comedy wise, I think a lot of, I think a lot of comedy is given some time. Can you can somewhere, you know, figure out, you know, something. But I think they really figured out, like, what's best uh, and how these characters work off of each other. Mm-hmm. But for me, the the one, the I blank on her name, but the lady cop, but her partner. Billy. Who's, who, who's just an idiot. <laughs> he is that, amazing. That is so, but just like the way some of the conversations the the way they go where uh there was one where she's like trying to tell him to stop that it's like too much and he thinks that it's she's saying it's something differently uh, the way he takes it and so like he keeps like explaining it and saying more uh but and there's just different conversations that keep happening. He talks about and, the traffic in his head. I just <laughs> just but the way he takes the way he takes conversations. He's and so the, earnest. And, he and, and is totally, so earnest. And totally believes it. But yeah, but but the scene where he's talking about where he's dating her sister. Yes. <laughs> and she's like, you know, I it, you know, trying to get him to stop, but it he just like keeps going in a certain way and yeah, it's just uh I think they've really figured out each of the I think they figured out each of the characters and the dynamic and the way they play off each other. Exactly. And it works 100%. much better, I think, in the second season. Well, I may give it a chance because you guys are talking about it, but as of this moment, the USA Network is dead to me. <laughs> Why? Because of the cancellation of Covert Affairs. Oh, I never watched that show. Season five, cliffhanger, huge, huge, huge decision, and you cancel my show. Come on, really? Give me at least I a two-hour movie. I'm surprised they didn't give you like six final episodes like they did with White Collar. I know, exactly. And I, I have a huge USA supporter. Burn Notice, Royal Pains. Uh, yes, the conclusion, not the cancel, not the cancellation, the conclusion of Psych. Uh, right, Monk, exactly. The 4400. I mean, 
huge supporter of the network. And then you go and take your customer and basically like slap them upside the head and say, screw it. We're not going to show you a conclusion to this show that's been on five years. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's the disappointing that thing about it. That one did surprise is, me. Is, uh, that's a cancellation. Yeah. That is a cancellation for those yeah, that keeping they, track of They home. did that, uh, especially since they seem to have be doing better or at least, you know, like they they knew when – you know, some of these shows were coming to an end and they told them uh, that it's, you know, this is going to be the last season. And so they had something to, you know, to write to. And and so, you know, going this long and mm-hmm. this type of show, yeah, it's not. Uh, Especially coming off of season four, which was phenomenal. I mean, it, just yeah, phenomenal. It's, it's the, but it's the type of thing that obviously you're going to write it to an ending that maybe, you know, leaves these people still in your brain, they're still out doing missions and stuff like that, but some sort of a little more, you know, you have to have a more definite answer than the cliffhanger, (laughs) but yeah, but not a, but no, but no cliffhanger endings. And then, and then ending a show that's that far into it. Mm -hmm. That's always, that's always annoying to me because it, like I said, it, it did seem, you know, they've been doing better, you know, their corporate cousin, uh, you know, sci-fi has been doing better, better with some of those things. And, you know, other networks, the CW has been pretty good uh, at at some of those things with their shows of of giving uh, at least notice mm-hmm. that this is going to be that this is going to be the last season or giving shows, uh, you know, six episodes like they did with Nikita or, or you know, things like that to uh, to close things out. And so, uh, yeah, it's always disappointing when something like that uh, uh, when when that happens, because. The other shows on the network, uh, you know, like they did give an ending to White Collar, but then not to mm-hmm. Covert Affairs. But then you're like, well, are we going to get to a certain point where, like, Suits is going to have some weird ending and then they're just going to cancel it? Because, you know, and you start thinking about that, about their other shows. Uh, pretty sure that, like, Royal Pains is probably going to write to some sort of conclusion because I think when they got renewed for whatever. It was like a couple season renewal or something like that, but that was probably one of those that you know that it's that's the end, yeah, uh, type of thing. So yeah, that's that's always uh, disappointing. What's disappointing to me is USA can't seem to make up their mind whether they want to uh, keep doing half hour comedies or get out of half hour comedies or yeah, I don't know. Go back to what works. Or if they want to do darker dramas or or do you know the 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 thing that made them popular was the characters wanted whether it was you know, a dramedy or, and, and certainly I was for some of the things where they got a little darker, where, you know, where covert affairs went a little darker than, you know, even like what burn notice had done. Uh, but it still had that fun, you know, interesting characters thing to it. Right. And, but some of the other shows that they've done recently have, you know, completely gone for trying to become, you know, trying to go, you know, with things like satisfaction and, and, uh, and whatever the other one was, which was trying to be like Royal Pains, but super serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, that, And then those things aren't working. And it's just like, why are you keep heading in this direction when the reason everybody was watching your your network was because of Psych and Monk and, right. and all these shows that were fun. So it'll be interesting uh, to see if they actually rebound with Dig. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm also interested to see because that's where sci-fi is going. And while I'm all for them going – into deeper, darker sci-fi and trying to recapture and become the home of, you know, where you find great sci-fi on mm-hmm. TV. 
I still think you can do that and have shows like Eureka and Warehouse 13. Yeah. <laughs> like you Agreed. don't, I don't get why it has to be one or the other. Uh, I don't get why you can't do both, but, uh, that's Pace a, it. Be, be like be like Sharknado on Monday, and then just get darker as Friday comes along. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like uh, you could to be you could do both, but that's a huge aggression from where we were. Yes, uh, I is. believe Amory's recommendation so, was so sirens. sirens. <laughs> yes, my recommendation was Sirens. It's hilarious, and the cast is very active on Twitter, and they will they're very interact like they want to talk to you about the show, which I think is fun. All right, so that's my recommendation. My recommendation is going to be ABC's uh, Secrets and Lies, uh, which premieres on Sunday, March 1st. Uh, I've watched the first two episodes. Well, I, they're not, uh, I, they're quote unquote, not for review. Uh, it gives you an idea of what the, uh, the show is going to be like. It's built off an Australian series of the same name uh, about, uh, you know, uh, an everyday family man that uh, goes for a jog and finds a dead kid in the woods and then quickly becomes the prime suspect in the kid's murder and all kinds of weird things that uh, spiral out from that in that little, in the, in the little neighborhood and, uh, stars Ryan Phillippe and, uh, his wife's played by Katie Strickland. And, uh, then the, the, the police, the detectives played by Juliet Lewis. And she's just like a very odd sort of detective that seems to like, key in on him like instantaneously and uh from the description of the series as it goes on that you know he tries to prove his innocence or uh, by investigating it because they seem to be just focusing on him and he keeps finding out about all these other things that are happening or have been happening in his neighborhood and but it's also built in that way where at least from the first two episodes where there's all this stuff happening and then you they drop a bombshell at the end of an episode uh, but it's a 10-episode series. Uh, the thing that I can't seem to find is whether it's like a close-in story. I think ABC will wait to tell you that until yeah. they see how the ratings do. Because I, I couldn't even find if like the original one was a closed-in story or if it's the type of story that's... Uh, it seems like the type of story that you could do one of these anthology type of things uh, where you do a 10-episodes uh, story and then... You know, the next season you bring, you know, it's a whole new cast and you tell a different secrets and lies uh, type of story. Because uh, the overall premise does seem like if you started going into multiple seasons, then it starts to seem like maybe like there's huge potential for it to go off the rails and become ridiculous. Like, say, like revenge. Mm-hmm. Why are you picking on my show? <laughs> Come on. I've, it's a guilty pleasure. I've watched every episode, but still, <laughs> it's a... Uh, yes. Like, but yet, to me, I was uh, completely gripped by the first uh, by the first episode. And so, the second, since the second episode was available, I watched it instantaneously. And so, I can't really give anything too much higher recommendation than that when you want to... When you watch something and you instantly want to go, okay, <laughs> what happens next? Uh, and you know, and to see this type of thing in coming on network TV, that's and it's going to be it's going to be playing on uh, you know on Sunday nights. I haven't watched it yet. We'll see what but happens. It's, but it's in the death slot. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be at the same time as uh, Good Nine Wife Easter. and between you know, so Walking Dead and, and Game of Thrones and yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. But it actually is 
Uh, the cast is the cast is really good. Uh, you know, some of the other you know people, uh, the you know neighbors and whatnot are some recognizable faces that you've uh, you've seen before. And the way Ryan Philby plays it is, and the way that it's happening is, he's invest. You know, ultimately he ends up investigating or trying to. I mean, but yet it's still played as you're not quite sure whether he did it or not, hmm. uh, kind of. And so, so it's serial for TV. Yeah, and so I'm 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 interested to see like how far it goes before, uh, you know, there's, <laughs> uh, you know, even after maybe an, an another suspect but uh you know comes around or something or or what why it is that uh this detective uh, keyed in on him but i think it's definitely worth checking out but then also is going to be on sunday nights with a boatload of other things that are well usually worth checking out so all right we'll see how that uh how that goes for abc but quality wise i think i think it's interesting uh Spoiler alert! My uh, since I only wanted to recommend my recommendation next week might also be uh, might be American Crime, uh, so just uh, kind of interesting. The two of the best shows I think that ABC's had is they've been sitting on the bench for quite some time here. Yeah, and we still don't have a definite date on the Whispers, do we? Yeah, I don't think so. That that, that one's that's that almost seems like one that might get pushed to like summer or something. Right. Yeah, or it becomes uh since more and more of the networks are trying to add uh, uh, some uh, more original scripted stuff in the summers. Yeah, I'm nervous because as the host of a Resurrection podcast, if these two shows do well, it may not go so well for Resurrection. But You'll just have to – you and Wayne will just have to do something else. <laughs> well, I'm behind Secrets and Lies because I also do an Under the Dome podcast, which is filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina, and Secrets and Lies was filmed down there in Wilmy Wood. So a lot of the extras and stuff we've seen and have conversations. And one with. of the uh, one of the cast members is also the uh, she played the cop on Under the Dome. Correct. Is in the uh, is in Secrets and Lies. Is well, Martinez. she's the she's yeah. the uh, she's the mother of the uh, of the boy that's found dead. Correct. Mm. Which is why you know Linda died on Under the Dome now because she <laughs> went to a different show. <laughs> we called that long before season two started. <laughs> Details. Uh, okay, well, that's my recommendation. How about you, Troy? Well, I am gearing up for uh, Clone Club to return uh, this April on BBC America, Orphan Black. If this is a show you have not seen, you must, must, must get caught up before April and start watching it because Tatiana Meslani is just amazing in what she does. Uh, the premise of the show is a uh, a girl who's basically down on her luck. She's got a child. Uh, uh, British, raised in the States, and then she finds out she has what looks like a twin sister on the other side of a train platform, and she ends up killing herself, the the sister, and then she assumes her identity, only to find out that there's like nine other versions of herself, and she's a clone. And hilarity ensues from there. It, it is absolutely riveting to watch. Uh, season hilarity! Two. I think it was Maybe even better. not than... the best subscription. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> It's great. I, I, I mean, I was just I watched all ten episodes in like one sitting for season yeah, one so and bought season two uh, because it's I just one of couldn't my wait. Yeah, you got and you've got plenty of time since it's only two ten episode seasons to catch up with before uh, it returns in uh, was it April, uh, mid April is when it's supposed to be back on Saturdays on BBC oh, America. So eighteen, which is crazy yeah. that it's a Saturday. 
That's I still can't get my mind around that. Yeah, well, that's oh, the yeah, all BBC dramas are on Saturdays. Right. Yeah, BBC America likes to. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing else on on Saturday, right? So yeah, come watch that, our night. That's become the night. I mean, they do put some of the other dramas and things that they have on other nights, but they're they're sort of uh, they're sort of almost original dramas or that they're somehow partnered with or whatever. You know, like the Doctor Who's and and uh, you know the Musketeers and some of that stuff. That's uh, they all play that in you know in Orphan Black. They they play those all those shows on on Saturday nights. And uh, that's uh, it. Works for me. It's, you know, it's, it's great. Like like I need another like I need another show on Tuesday or Thursday or Sunday. You know, type of thing. You know, it's, uh, when you when the when the DVR in one night, you know, goes from it could go from like zero to twenty five percent full just from one night of TV. It's kind of ridiculous. Yes, definitely you can't go wrong with that one. I would be on board with that. Definitely catch up with that one. Definitely. But you had another one, or was it just Orphan Black? I just we were talking about Scandal in this episode, so I had to mention how to get away with murder. I think the reason why Scandal has suffered is because all the writing efforts went to how to get away with murder. <laughs> is that's sort of like the uh, the three hour block is Grey's Anatomy it used to be really good, but then everybody went to Scandal. Scandal used to be really good because now everybody's how to get away with murder. If you haven't checked it out. At least watch the first nine episodes. If you're not hooked after the first nine, then the show's not going to be for you. But I thought the way that they did the nine episodes and the reveal before the winter break, I thought it was fantastic how they laid out the storyline. And then just in these first two episodes back, I'm really surprised that they've gotten to some of the evidence points already this fast. So I'm I'm curious to see if they're really going like a full 22 or if they're just going to stop at 16. Because I still don't know. That's what I thought. Okay. So, yeah, it'll be great to see, like, when they stop at 16, like, how do they launch it for next year? Because it's one of those things like Scandal, right, where they got to the end of that first story and you were like, okay, well, where does it go now? (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see how they keep this going. Does somebody have to die at the end of each eight episode section in order for it to keep getting getting away with it? Yeah, are they are they? Yeah. How long are they going to be getting away with this one murder or I feel like if you're trying to get away with murder, you kind of always have to be trying to get away with murder. Yeah, Well, you're always like you don't want to be found out regardless of if it's your first or your fourth murder. (laughs) And how many bodies do we rack up? How many people do they kill over the course of the series? Yes. (laughs) So, okay, those are our recommendations, folks. Check them all out. Uh, You can find links to our recommendations and the news stories we talked about, as well as where you can find and listen to Troy online in the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 261 in an update on the happy endings link. (laughs) Uh, Today, they tweeted. See, this is why I'm thinking it's an elaborate April Fool's Day joke more than anything. (laughs) Today, they tweeted a video of Vivaldi's Four Seasons. So people are thinking that are like saying, "Oh, we're getting a fourth season." I don't know. This is why I think it's a big joke. But also, awesome. I'm very excited. <laughs> some it's some writer that still has the password to the happy yeah. rights account. That exactly. <laughs> created an elaborate joke. And it's going to devastate people on <laughs> April 1st. But we'll all be devastated as a fandom. Uh, next week, Jason will be joined from by Kyle Nolan from noreruns.net. At what point do we just say Kyle is like <laughs> Jason and Kyle will be joined by a third, by a guest. At what point well, do you say that? I'd like to give, for for people that may not be longtime listeners or something like that, uh, <laughs> who the 
I'm just saying, I think Kyle's on the show more than I. And the show. Anyway, Kyle and someone, uh, an undetermined someone at this point, will be next week's guests. Um, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA PromoNet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. Thank you to Troy. Yeah, and the interesting thing there is that you know usually Kyle's the one that I go to when, when you I don't can't find me. So maybe Kyle will be on twice. I'll just have to get him. Get his brother. Or maybe I'll get him to get his twin brother on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they sound like, I don't know that I've ever talked to Brett. Uh, you know, Imagine I, you know, I, I, I don't yeah. remember. I did meet him the one time that his, uh, that his brother came to Comic-Con. So with him, so anyway, big thanks to Troy. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. And that's all she wrote. We sit glued to the TV set all night. And every night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews.